really strong national and local emphasis on prayer, I felt led to preach on this all-important area. Now, I know most of the time we let Pastor Ronnie preach on prayer, okay? I think five of his last six sermons have been on prayer, okay? But guess what? I'm going to take my swing at it today. Now, here's the thing about prayer. If you've been in church for a while, you probably don't need me to tell you again that you need to pray. Okay? I am thoroughly convinced that we probably know more about it than we practice it. Amen? You don't need me to tell you to pray. Jesus himself said. In fact, he even said this is how we should pray, okay? Now, does that mean we should just be all bothering all the time? No, he's talking about different areas you need to pray about. You need to worship. You need to ask God to meet your needs. You need to do a bunch of different things. You need to pray for others. You need to forgive others. You need to forgive others. Some of you need to hear that twice, okay, because you're hard-headed like me, okay? But again, you don't need me to get up here and tell you the what about prayer. But today, I want to get to you a little bit about the why behind prayer. What really happens when we pray, okay? What really happens when we get down on our knees and we begin to, to lift our needs to the Lord? I have a little quote on my desk, and I put it on my desk so it's a reminder to me as a pastor. And it says this, you can accomplish great things after you've prayed, but nothing great until you've prayed. Let me say that again. You can accomplish great things after you've prayed. But you can accomplish nothing great until you've prayed. Prayer sets the stage for God to do something special. Amen? And I think every one of us in here need God. Every one of us in here want God to touch our families, want God to touch us in our lives, want God to move on our behalf. Prayer is what sets the stage for that. So my focus will not be so much on the what of prayer, but the why. What really happens when we pray? Well, in the simplest of terms, when we pray, God listens and he responds. Let that sink in. God hears everything we say. God hears everything we say in prayer. God hears everything you say behind somebody's back. God hears everything that you say, okay? He hears everything you pray and he responds. Now, not always like he wanted him to. How many ever prayed and God did something not in the way you would have chose for him to do it, okay? How many, like me, try to help God out, okay? With, yeah, we, 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 we talk about this over a cup of coffee, okay? God, here's how you should do it, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. And then he does 3, 2, 1, okay? Or he does L, M, K, okay? He does something totally different. But then when I look back on it, it's like, whoa. That was really pretty good. Imagine that. God knows best, okay? Here's the thing. God doesn't always answer prayers exactly like we want him to answer, but he knows best. But if we go a little deeper, friends, when we pray, we are setting ourselves in the midst of a great spiritual fight between good and evil. As I was... um, We set ourselves in the midst of a great spiritual battle. As I was praying about this message, the Lord led me to Numbers chapter number 16. And as you turn there in your Bibles or you open your apps uh, to that area, I want to read to you just a little small part of this story that just kind of shows you exactly what happens, the why behind the what of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I just ask right now that you would come into this place, Lord. You've already touched us in worship. You've already challenged us to, to get more involved in outreaches now. I pray that you would give us a glimpse of what really happens when we pray, what really happens when we go down on our knees and we take our petitions to you. Let us see the spiritual significance behind prayer. It's in Jesus' name I pray. 
And everybody would say, Amen. Numbers chapter number 16, it's a pretty cool story, okay? It starts out with some folks, uh, there was trouble uh, under Moses' leadership. Imagine that. The great man of God, Moses, actually wasn't perfect, okay? No leader is perfect, okay? If you think I am perfect, well, this must be your first Sunday, okay? Because <laughs> I'm far from perfect, okay? But guess what? None of us are perfect. Moses wasn't perfect. There was trouble under his leadership. And somebody thought he could do a better job than Moses. His name was Korah. And Korah started a rebellion, and he caused all kind of trouble. And, and well, God took care of that. God took care of it in a pretty significant way. In fact, if you get a little time, read that story. Literally, baby, and this is crazy. The earth opens up and swallows Korah and his followers. Wow. In fact, Moses said it this way. He said, if if, if, if something, if these guys don't don't die in a very ex, extraordinary way, God's not for me. But if the earth opens up and swallows them, that's proof that God's for me. Guess what happened? That's exactly what happened. This is crazy, okay? By the way, there's some crazy stuff in your Bible. Teenagers, read this story. This is like whacked out, okay? Numbers chapter number 16, go read it, okay? I'm going to pick up reading, though, in verse number 41. This is after that event. This is after that that quite interesting church business meeting. By the way, ours will not be that interesting at the close of this service. But verse number 41 says this, and this is my old King James Bible with the little bitty print, so I'm going to have to borrow these for a little bit. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Verse number 41, by the way, young people, don't make fun of me. You keep having birthday. By the way, thank you to everyone that wished me a happy birthday. 46 years old, you're making me feel fantastic, okay? These glasses are making me feel old. Though. Verse number 41 of Numbers chapter 16, the Bible says this, But on the morrow, the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. Come on now. <laughs> really? Really? Didn't you just see what happened the day before? Man, people are something else. Now, these Hebrew people, they're just crazy. Okay? So, uh, all of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold... The cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. Look what happens, verse 44. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Basically, God said, I'm done with these cats, okay? I'm about to start over. Moses and Aaron, y'all withdraw yourselves and let me take care of business, okay? Now, God had already given him a glimpse of how he was planning on taking care of business. But look at how Moses and Aaron responded. They didn't step back and say, this will be fun. This will be interesting. No, Mike, they fell on their faces. They began to pray. They began to intercede. They said, God, don't do it. God, there's still hope. God, you can't do this. They begin to pour their heart out to God. There's a reminder to all of us, guys. There's never a bad time to pour your heart out to God. There, it's never too late to pour your heart out for God. Some of you may think some of your kids have gone too far. Some of you may think your grandkids are too far away from God. Some of you may think that situation is hopeless. Honey, no situation is hopeless. Amen? Prayer changes things. Amen? 
So Moses and Aaron fell upon their faces, verse 46. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation. Make an atonement for them. There is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. See, God was going to bring judgment. God always judges wickedness, okay? You hear me say all the time, blessings follow obedience, judgment follows disobedience. Amen? Now, certainly sometimes it's not near as severe as maybe what we read in the Old Testament, but that's why you have to do right. Decisions have consequences. I remember when I taught at Franklin High School, I love that right across from the assistant principal's office, there was a board. Now, Hunter, I know you never went to the assistant principal's office, but when you passed by the office, on that board, what did it say? Your decisions have consequences. I think that's rather ironic. As kids would be sitting outside the assistant principal's office, Jesse, they get to read, your decisions have consequences, okay? I think that's a great reminder, but it's a reminder to us as well. Guys, the decisions you make each and every day have consequences, okay? So Moses tells Aaron, take a censer. Now, here's the the important thing about what's going on right here. This right here, the burning of incense in a censer represents prayers being lifted up to God. Okay? Right right here, uh, Aaron is standing in the gap. Aaron is, is making intercession or making atonement for the people of God. But again, when you burn incense, the, the, the smoke rises to the top. And that's a spiritual picture, I believe, of our prayers rising up to heaven. So keep that in mind. So Moses goes and does as Aaron goes, rather, and does as Moses tells him. And verse 48 says, and this is, this is what we're going to camp out on for a little bit. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. He stood between the dead and the living. God's judgment had become had begun. It was righteous judgment. They deserved to be judged. And the righteous man of God, Aaron, stood between the dead and the living, making intercession. Stood between the dead and the living, lifting up prayers. Stood between the dead and the living, asking God to be merciful. Asking God to hear his requests. Guys, that's what happens when you and I pray. That is the spiritual picture of what happens when you and I bow our knee to pray. You know, we think when we come together on Wednesdays at noon, we just spend a little time together and we lift up a few needs. No, no, no. We're standing between the living and the dead. We're standing between the spiritually dead and the spiritually alive. Between those that know God and those that don't know God. And we're asking God to move. We're asking God to be merciful. So Aaron, verse 48 says, stood between the dead and the living and the plague stopped. Verse 49, now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. You know, maybe we'd pray more effectively if our, if our prayers were answered that quickly. Maybe we would be more full of faith if the moment we asked, God would answer But you know what? Sometimes God wants to develop something in us. Think about it. If every time we ask any little whim, any little request, God instantly answered, I don't know about you, but your life might be a little messed up. Okay? How many of you ever prayed for something, and when you look back on it, you're really kind of glad, Mike, God didn't answer that prayer? Huh? Yeah, there's an old country song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Amen? 
Okay? So, whew, some of you would be married to the wrong people now, wouldn't you? Okay? Think about it, guys. Sometimes if God answered every little whim, we would be in a mess. But guess what, guys? When you pray, when you stand between the living and the dead, God hears you. And God answers according to his will. So, guys, I just want to challenge you today. We want to take a few moments right here and and focus in on this little uh, uh, phrase, okay? Standing between the living and the dead. You know, guys, that's what we do when we pray. I'm so glad that someone stood in the gap for me. I'm glad somebody prayed for me. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? Some of you are here today because somebody prayed. Maybe it was your mama. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was a grandparent. Some of you are only here today because of prayer. This, brothers and sisters, is exactly what happens when we pray. We set ourselves between the living and the dead, if not actually physically like Aaron did, at least spiritually, when we pray, when we intercede, when we beg God to be merciful. This act of faith by Moses and Aaron worked then, and it still works today. So let's look at a few areas that need us to stand between the living and the dead in prayer. The first area that I look at today is our world. The Bible says that these are perilous times. 2 Timothy 3 and 1 predicted that in the last days, perilous times, hard, difficult, troublesome times shall come. You don't have to watch much of the evening news to be reminded of that now, do you? In Matthew chapter number 24, Jesus gives a great prophecy. He was asked by his disciples about the end times. He was asked about the times in which we live today. And here's how he answered. This is called the great Olivet Prophecy. I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 3. Let me read to you a little bit. And tell me, does this not describe the times in which we live today? And remember, why am I reading this? This is why we need to pray for the world. This is, not, this is why we need to pray for, for what's going on in these last days. Verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We've seen that for some time now, haven't we? We've seen wars, we've seen rumors of wars, we've seen difficult times for many, many years. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's an encouragement to all of us, guys. Don't quit. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Endure to the end. God is always faithful. God always has a remnant. God always has somebody he's going to use. And verse number 14 is how we should pray for this world. 
verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, shall be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. Jesus said that this gospel, the good news, the good news that the Messiah has come, the good news is that you can have relationship with God the Father. The good news must be preached, and then the end shall come. Guys, we need to pray for our world. We need to pray for our missionaries. Amen? Why do we constantly have missionaries come and address our church? Because we believe and pray for the world. Why every one of our missionaries come and, and bring with them these prayer cards? I just grabbed a couple of them from the back info table. Every missionary that comes, they ask for your, your support. They need your financial support. Thank you for supporting missions financially. But I would say even more than their, their dollars, they need your prayers. Amen? They need you to pray. They need you to take one of these cards and and put them someplace that you see them very, very often. I know there was a time that we used to tell you to stick it on your refrigerator because you visit that thing way pretty often, don't you? Okay? You know, put it somewhere where you see it. Put it in your Bible. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for our world. Guys, we need to pray for the Great Commission. We need to pray that the truth of what Jesus said this gospel being preached would be accomplished. Amen? Our missionaries need our financial support, but maybe more than that, they need your prayer support. Pray for our missionaries. When God brings a missionary to your remembrance, pray for him or her. It works when he wakes you in the middle of the night, okay? It may be more than just your bladder. Say, Lord, is there somebody I need to pray for? God, is there somebody you're laying on my heart? You know, I remember hearing this story from one of our veteran missionaries, Bob and Lisa Holloway. Veteran missionaries to Venezuela. They've been to this church before. Many of you know them. They're now in Peru. They told me a story one time of he and his family being held at gunpoint and robbed. They worked in Venezuela. Venezuela is, uh, is a very lawless country, okay? It's a, uh, a very corrupt country, okay? And, and our missionaries, God has provided and protected them, and, and, and they are seen as very affluent, very well off. Well, there was an armed robbery, okay? At gunpoint, Bob was, was looking at the business end of a revolver, and, and, and these, these robbers stole some of their property and stole some things. And, and many, many times in those countries, there would be a kidnapping or there would be a murder because there's, there's no respect for life or any of those type of things. But for some reason, Fabian, they just took that stuff and they left. The very next day, Bob uh, gets a Facebook message, or he reaches out to one of his longtime supporters, and his longtime supporter said she was up praying for protection over the Holloways the night before. When they began to compare notes, it was the exact same time of this armed robbery. Friend, why do I tell you this story? Because prayer works. Prayer works, I said. When God wakes you up, you need to pray. When God lays that missionary on your heart, you need to pray. When God lays that loved one on your heart, you need to pray. What if that What if that intercessor would have just said, oh, that was just heartburn. Oh, the holidays would be okay. That story could have been so much more tragic. Amen? But guys, we need to pray for our world. We need to pray for our missionaries. We don't just put these flags up around the sanctuary to add some color to this woodwork. No, no, no. We believe in missions. We believe in prayer. And it makes a difference. When you pray, friends, you set yourself between the living and the dead, and it makes a difference. Amen? Prayer works. Prayer works. Let's recommit to stand between the living and the dead on behalf of our world. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray.
practice that. Amen? I'm going to lead you in prayer for the next 60 seconds for our missionaries and for our world. Amen? I want you to help me pray, okay? This is all inclusive. It's kind of like bringing candy. It's kind of like the fall fest, except you're already here, okay? So you're going to help me pray for the next 60 seconds. Let's pray for our world. Let's do it together. Lord, right now we pray. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for our world. Lord, we pray like you told us to pray, Lord. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray for missionaries to be blessed. We pray right now protection and provision over every one of our missionaries. Lord, I pray right now that Jesus' prophecy at the great Olivet prophecy would come to reality, Lord, that this gospel, this good news would be preached around this globe. God, help our church to stand in the gap. Help our church to be involved in the Great Commission. So many churches, the Great Commission has become a great omission, but not here. Not with us. We stand in the gap. We place ourselves between the living and the dead, and we ask you right now to touch our world, to change our world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody would say, Amen. That's one area, friends, that you need to stand in the gap. Another area that you need to pray for, another area you need to stand between the living and the dead is for our country. Can I get an amen? Because our country needs prayer. God bless America again. Amen? Proverbs 14 and 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sadly, our country's forgot about that. Okay? You watch the nonsense that's happening in Washington. You watch the nonsense that's happening in Baton Rouge. Our country needs prayer. We need to elect men and women that will bring righteous decisions back to where they belong. We need to... We need to elect people that care more about what God thinks than what an electorate thinks. Amen? You know what, guys? It's one thing to to, to have to give an account to an electoral body every four years, but it's a much scarier thing to give an account to God. Amen? And every politician needs to realize you don't just answer to you and I, Joe and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Voter. You're going to answer to God. Sadly, it seems as though our great country has forgotten this fact that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Our country needs to get back to the slogan printed on the back of our money, in God we trust. We trust in so many things, seems like we've forgotten the trust in God. Amen? We need to get back to that. We need to pray for our country. Our country needs to change, and prayer changes things. Amen? From the White House to the State House to the Church House to your house and mine, we need to pray for our country to honor God again. Amen? We need to honor God. And it starts with us. It starts with you and I that know God, you and I that have relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got to start with us. Guys, if we can't honor God in the Church House... Good luck getting the White House to follow suit. Amen? Good luck getting Baton Rouge to get on board. We need to honor God, and it's got to start with us. We need to pray. We need to pray. No politician holds all the answers. In fact, I said it this way. When there's a politician that seems to have all the answers, I think the book of Revelation talks about that guy. Okay? So you need to have the eye open for that fellow who has all the answers. Okay? No politician holds all the answers. God has already given us the answer. And it's found in the theme verse for See You at the Pole this past year, Second Chronicles 7, 14. Amen? 
Let me read that great portion of Scripture to you today because it holds the answer for our country. It holds the answer. Let it rain, Lord. He didn't sing that one, Brother Tommy. Second Chronicles 7.14, the Bible says, If my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Three things we need to do. We need to pray. We need to humble ourselves. You see, just the act of prayer is an act of humility. When you pray, you admit you need help. When you get down on your knee, you set yourself in a position that, God, I need you. When we pray, when we humble ourselves, when we turn from our wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Guys, the good old USA needs healing again. Amen? We need our land to heal. We need our country to be healed. And only God can do it. Church, please don't stop praying for the good old USA. She needs it now more than ever before. Amen? Again, for the next 60 seconds, I want us to pray for our country. I'm going to lead us. Let's pray. Lord, we just lift up our country to you right now, Lord. I thank you that your Bible declares, Lord, that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach, Lord. God, forgive us for reproach. Forgive us for decisions that are so grieving your heart. Forgive us, Lord, for politicians that care nothing about you. I pray that you would turn their hearts. I pray that you would change their hearts. But God, start with us. Start at the church house. Start at our house, Lord God, and help us to make decisions that would bring glory and honor to you. Touch our country. Thank you for our relationship with Israel, because God, blessings follow those that bless Israel. Help us, Lord God, to partner ourselves, not just with Israel, but with the God of Israel. With you, Lord, bless this country. Protect this country. Use this country, Lord God, to propel the gospel, the good news around this globe. We pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We ask you to bless our country in Jesus' name. And everybody would say amen and amen. One final area we need to pray. One final area we need to stand in the gap for. My final area to you to stand between the living and the dead hits a lot closer to home. It's your family. See, family is the greatest gift God has given you other than His Son, Jesus. Amen? The greatest gift that you've ever been given is your family. Now, with the first two areas, there's a huge number of applicants who can fill those jobs. But when it comes to your family, no one, I repeat, no one is more qualified than you. Say me. Me. You are qualified to pray for your family. Amen? And God wants you, say me, God wants you, okay, kind of awkward right there. I want to say you, but that wouldn't work real well. Hey, let me help you out. Point at your neighbor right now. Point at your neighbor and say, God wants you, God wants you to pray for your family. Guys, look, if you don't pray for your family, who will? If you don't stand in the gap for your family, who will? If you don't intercede for your lost loved ones, if you don't pray favor over your kids, if you don't pray for your grandkids, who in the world will? We got a lot of people who pray for the world. We got a lot of people who pray for our missionaries. We got a lot of people who pray for our country, and that's good. But who's going to pray for your family? It better be you. Amen? God wants you to stand in the gap for your family in prayer. 
using our key phrase from number 16 with regards to our unsaved loved ones. When you pray for your loved one's salvation, you are literally standing in the gap between the living and the dead, spiritually asking God to open their hearts and minds to the gospel, the good news that Jesus still saves. Friends, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in this all-important area. Sister Robin, keep praying. It's making a difference. Amen? Don't stop believing. Dawn, keep praying. It's making a difference. Amen? Nancy, keep praying. It's making a difference. It's making a difference, Ronnie. Believe God. It's making a difference. Sister Eloise, don't stop believing. I know you're believing God for those kids, those grandkids, for God to touch them. He's doing it. He's doing more than you can see. Guys, that's a great reminder. God is always doing more than you can see, okay? You can see God doing some things. When people come to church, when people come back to church, when you see God bless your family in special ways, you can see that, Sister Annabelle, but he's always doing more than you can see. Don't stop believing. Sister Garland, don't stop praying. Don's, don't stop praying. God's working on their behalf. Let me talk to men for a second. Dads and husbands, as the God-ordained priests of your household, you have the authority to command blessings and favor upon your family, your wife, your kids. Let's begin again praying powerful prayers of protection, provision, and favor over our families, men of God. you got to do it. If you don't do it, who will? So here's a question. I'm almost done. YBH, yeah, but how? How do I do it? Don, how do I pray for my family? I'm glad you asked. Number one, if you're praying for unsaved loved ones, 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. How do you know that scripture so well? Because I committed it to memory 25 years ago when I got saved. Tommy, when I got saved as a 20-year-old, I became the spiritual patriarch of my family, the only one saved. I had a whole bunch of folks that weren't saved. I began to pray for them. I began to pray that exact scripture over them, Charles, and it works. Amen? And I've got good news for you, okay? God doesn't love the Seneca family any more or less than he loves your family. And most of you were more spiritual than I was as a 20-year-old, okay? Guys, pray. Ask God to touch your family. Pray for your unsaved loved ones. Pray for salvation to come to your household. And have you got some prodigals in your family? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? Any of you got some folks that are away from the Lord today? Here's how you pray for them. Pray that story of Luke 15. Lord, send them home. God, you gave me that story to remind me that they can always come home. Send that prodigal home. Pray Proverbs 22 and 6 over your children. Train up a child in the way he should go. And what does the Bible say? When he's old, he will not depart. God, you promised that if I did right, you'll do right. You promised if I train them up right. I wasn't perfect, but I tried I tried my best. Lord, bring them back home. Pray those prayers over your loved ones. Command blessings over your family. Every Friday night, I lay my hands on Hayden, okay? I'm the only lineman who hopefully gets his hands on Hayden on a Friday night. Okay? I put my hands on Hayden, and I speak blessings over him. I speak blessings over him, Jared. I say, bless this young man. Help him have a great night, okay? You know what? I need to start blessing that whole team because Hayden needs some help, okay? Keon, you need to start showing up for that, okay? We didn't need to bless more people. Why? Because we need to win, okay? But again, I command blessings over Hayden. Why? Because he's my boy. I have authority over him. 
okay? And I just command blessings. Why? Because that's my role. I have that opportunity. You have that opportunity, too. Don't don't believe the enemy's lies. Don't believe the devil's lies that says, oh, God won't hear you. God won't honor that. Robin, that's a lie. Come in, c- continue to command blessings over Grace's life. And then continue to command blessings over your children and your grandchildren. You have that right and you have that authority. Now use it. Amen? If you don't pray for your family, who will? You don't stand in the gap for your family. Who 